Welcome to the Travel Like a Boss podcast, the radio show all about traveling like a boss by being your own boss. Stay tuned for weekly interviews featuring guests that have built their own online businesses. If you would like to have access to our entire back catalog, visit travellikeabosspodcast.com for instant access. And here's your host, Johnny SD. Hey guys, it's Johnny and welcome to episode 46 of the Travel Like a Boss podcast. I'm here today with Ryan Daniel Moran from Freedom Fastlane. How you doing, buddy? Johnny, thanks for having me on, man. Hey, thank you so much for being on the show. Um, I'm really glad that we got hooked up. Uh, so Ryan, uh, he, he's the owner of Freedom Fastlane, and he also does a lot of really cool things, such as uh, creating his own product lines on Amazon uh, and things like that. I really want to talk about today. Uh, but first, let's talk about just where you are and uh, how, how we met. <laughs> well, I'm currently in Austin, Texas, Okay, uh, sit, sitting in my downtown apartment, and uh, we haven't met. We met like 10 minutes ago, yep. so, so that's this, how you and I know each other. This, so this is going to be exciting. Uh, I want to give a shout out to Jessica Rhodes from Interview Connections for setting this up, and one of the big reasons why I wanted to have Ryan on the show is he was recommended by a good friend of mine, Mark Brenwall, who's out here in Chiang Mai, uh, who has a uh, Amazon product on um, that he created, a CrossFit jump rope that he talks pretty openly about. Uh, and he was on episode, I think it was episode 37 uh, of the podcast, if you guys haven't heard that. Uh, so could we talk just briefly about what, what the other projects you do are? Because I know you have your hands in a ton of things. Yeah, I it was an information publisher for about seven years before I dropped that business and decided to go in a new direction. And I started my Amazon businesses uh, about a year and a half ago, and I have a men's supplement company. I have a, a, a men's a sports and nutrition company, and I have a yoga products company that are mostly based on Amazon. There's some revenue that comes in from other channels as well. I also invest in real estate and stocks, and I own a restaurant and do some other fun things. But that, those are the things I usually talk about over at Freedom Fastlane. But I, I think it's really cool that you diversify yourself in so many different things. And we're going to talk about that um, in this episode as well because a lot of people ask me if, if I'm doing well with just my dropshipping products, why do I do all these other things as well? And I know for me, a lot of it is just because it's, it's fun. You know? And I, I think kind of just my personality and I would assume you know, kind of yours as well is you enjoy doing a lot of different things and you don't want to have everything in, in one basket. Yeah, my answer is a little bit different actually, Johnny. Uh, my answer for that is because I am really, really good at a few things. And in order for me to focus on those few things, I will partner with implementers who will do the things that I'm not so good at. So I'm, I can very easily duplicate myself by just focusing on the areas of my work that provide the most value for other people. And if we're able to do that, we can increase our incomes by many times and also very easily duplicate the process if we're focusing in those things that we are truly good at, where we really create a lot of unique value. I like that. So let, let's use the uh, Zen Active uh, sports products as an example. If anyone wants to follow along, it's zenactivesports.com, or if they just Google that, you actually see his products all over Amazon. Um, I'm taking a look right now at one of your non-slip yoga mats, extra thick, and it looks like it's a really good seller. It has 220 reviews and sells for $39 right now. Uh, I know Amazon changes the price pretty often, but pe people seem to love it and a lot of people are buying it. So how, how were you, um, wh what were the things that you were really good at for launching this and what are the things that you knew that it would be better off having uh, kind of passing off to someone else to help you with? For me, I, I'm a marketer, so I can drive sales through a channel and figure out how a, cha a channel works in order to get consistent sales and revenue all day long. Put me in a corner and I can come up with that. What, I'm, what I'll, I won't do is I'm not going to log into Amazon and print the damn shipping labels. Mm -hmm. I'm just not going to do it. I, I mean, it takes five minutes, but I'm not going to sit down and figure out that detail. I, I'm, I'm not going to do customer service. I'm not going to do little detail things that drive me absolutely bananas. I don't even know how to upload images to Amazon. I mean, those little details would drive me up up the wall. I'd, I'd rather shove an ice pick into each of my toenails because it just sounds horrible to me. So I bring on partners who are like, Ryan, I can't think all uh, ide in idea creative land like you can, but I could print a damn shipping label. 
And so these, this, this is who I hire and who I partner with, people who can very easily handle details, uh, sometimes even manage our employees. While I, am, I can fund a business, I can drive a business, and I can market a business. And if I just focus on those things, then I can push a company forward. I can actually push many companies forward without feeling overwhelmed. In fact, uh, even my main business which makes up the bulk of my income. I don't work on more than maybe twice a week, three times a week, full days, I mean. I might check emails and such, but I really work two or three full days a week on it, and it uh, provides an incredible amount of, of revenue and opportunity for me. So I, I think a lot of entrepreneurs get it wrong where they try to figure everything out, when in reality, most of their revenue and most of their income comes from just a few things that they're doing, a few skills that they've really developed unique value in. And by focusing on only those things, you can do a lot more and you can manage multiple businesses if that's the route that you want to go. Or, you know, you can move to Chiang Mai like you did. <laughs> well, there's a lot I can learn from you. And, and that was another reason I wanted to have you on is I feel like what you're doing now and producing your own products and, and you know, and fulfilling on Amazon is definitely a next big step for for someone in my shoes. So for, for those who don't know, I mean, basically I have a dropshipping store, much lower margins. I don't control the brand. Um, you know, I'm an authorized dealer for a lot of these brands. So just for, for an example, you know, let's say I was an authorized dealer for Zen Active, um, which I'm not, but you know, if I was selling yoga products, I had johnnysyogastore.com and I can sell these products and I can make you know pretty good money from it. However, my margins will be lower because I'm not doing the warehousing, I'm not doing the shipping, I'm not taking any the risk of, of importing it or, you know, or uh, sending it out. And at the end of the day, by me promoting and selling Zen Active, I'm promoting their brand, so his brand is growing. So Ryan's gonna, you know, he's gonna be able to, to grow his brand more while Johnny's, you know, um, yogasupplies.com isn't really gonna, I mean, it will create a small following, but it's nowhere the same as creating this big store. So that's why I really like this, you know, this as a, uh, as a kind of logical next step to, to dropshipping. But I know for me personally, a lot of those skills that you talk about, I didn't have those when I started. And I think a lot of people listening uh, might be in the same situation where they don't know marketing, they don't know, um, you know, product creation, they don't have the funds to, to create a store. Um, so if somebody was in that situation, kind of just starting out, let's say they have no money, they, they really don't have any <laughs> I don't want to say any skills at all, but any uh, direct translatable skills, how, how, would, how would you recommend they start? Well, there's two things that they need to recognize, and that is where, do you, where are you currently providing unique value? And for anybody who has a job, anybody who's worked a job before, you're providing some sort of unique value in order to keep getting compensated in the form of a salary, Right. So what is, the, what is the value you're adding to the marketplace currently? And this, the second question, where do you have some sort of unique perspective or a, uh, some way that you can siphon that away from a, a job or what you're currently doing and put it into the marketplace as an entrepreneur? I say for people's first business, I suggest that they look at where they can either develop unique value or where they're already producing unique value and then package that into a, a consumable form. It, for me, for example, I have a unique value in the fact that I know how to market products on Amazon. So the way that I package that up is through my products and I put them on a channel like Amazon. So we're all doing this either consciously or unconsciously. We are providing value in some way or we can go out and we can develop value by learning a skill and then we put that into a you know, a packageable form, a way that people can pay us for it. And I think the easiest way for that for, for most people is just to take on a few clients that have businesses that do it but need a skill that they're missing. I was just helping somebody who, who uh, had, was trying to build an Amazon business, but it hadn't gone as, as well as they thought. So we helped them get a few clients at, you know, 500 to 1000 bucks a month and got a handful of them and now is a full-time income doing that while that person builds their other business. So I, I think we all are providing value to the marketplace, and if we're not, then we need to develop a, the, the unique value that we're going to bring to the marketplace. If you don't have your own business, then look at taking on clients in their business to get cash flow going, but eventually you want to have 
your own skills on some sort of a channel where there is already sales and money being exchanged and you're going in and providing your unique value in that same marketplace. You know, I definitely agree that I would say every single person listening, even if you don't think you have directly translatable skills for, you know, for being an entrepreneur, especially kind of with an internet business, everybody has something. And it's it's hard to see it a lot of times when you're the one in a cubicle and you know you're still working your nine to five job and you know you think that your let's say your accounting skills or your your office skills uh, don't don't um, directly translate. But even people with very easily translatable skills, like I have a, I have a good friend who is a he works for uh, this big insurance company and he's like a programmer for them. And it, to me, it's so easy to to start freelancing and to hire your own skills and be located independent tomorrow. Uh, but for him, he couldn't, even, he, you know, because he's so close to it, he couldn't even see that. And I would say that would be the exact same thing with really almost any office job or any job out there is you might know a lot more about certain things uh, because, you know, you've spent five or 10 years in, in an industry, no matter what it is, um, that can be translated into some kind of consulting gig or some kind of, you know, freelancing gig. And from there, you know, you kind of develop the entrepreneurial skills because I think a lot of the, you know, just taking that initial jump to being an entrepreneur or owning your own business is, is a scary one. Well, I already say that everyone is an entrepreneur already. We're all, I mean, an entrepreneur is somebody who trades their value for dollars. So some people do that in a firm where they basically have one client, right? A full-time employer. Or some people take the exact same skills that they would do in a job and they just take on clients. It's the same work. Yeah, and I think the the biggest di- difference is, you know, either having that, that steady paycheck um, all the time, you know, knowing that even if you don't really produce any results, that you're still going to get paid um, versus only getting paid if you if you deliver good results. And it almost sounds silly if you think about it that way, where obviously if you're going to spend eight hours doing work, you want that work to be productive and you want that work to add some kind of value to somebody in life and, you know, and, and be worth it. But I think it's kind of a, a very pessimist you know pessimistic thinking and i had this as well when i worked for a big company and i didn't really care if the eight hours i spent in the office did any good in in the big picture even for the company because i wasn't happy at you know at that job and i I think a lot of people had that same feeling well i like what jim Rohn says and jim Rohn says that you know we are compensated for the value that we bring to the marketplace and it takes time to create value but we're not compensated for the value i'm sorry we're not compensated for the time we're compensated for the value that we bring during that time. And, you know, I like what Tim Ferriss says, where we can provide usually more value on our own in two to four hours a day than most people do when they're spending eight hours a day around a water cooler, basically BSing. So if, if we can provide more value and get compensated more outside the grip of what most people think is is stable. But what's interesting, Johnny, is you know, we, we there's a part of our brain that wants to stay safe just because of how we evolved and we have we call it the croc brain that it always has this need for security. And that doesn't go away when you're an entrepreneur either. So you can you can want your security and be miserable in your life or you can still want your security and you know, live your life how you want. That part of your brain never goes away whether you're an entrepreneur or you're working a job, even when you make millions of dollars, that part of your brain still looks for the next level of security. So the the idea of security in a nine to five or the idea of security in anything really doesn't exist because all it is is a comparison on our brain, our current situation to what could happen and it's all an illusion. None of it is real at all. So we might as well live life how we please get compensated for our value and and you know live the lives that we want so we can build an income around that that supports that fairly easily and quickly you know um, I really like how, how you said that you only spend two or three days working on your core businesses that, that bring you the most yeah. money and then the other days you're free to kind of do the things that you want to do um, and that kind of just shows a point that you know, if you had, let's say you were working for a big corporation and you were doing that same job, you, you could have easily stretched that out into, you know, a 40 hours in a week. <laughs> but it's because, you know, whatever you're doing is directly translating to your own business and, you know, your own profits that 
you know, you're not going to just waste time, um, you know, standing around or, or <laughs> browsing forums and commenting on YouTube videos. You're going yeah. to do things that actually drive your business. And I, and I think that's a big reason why entrepreneurs, you know, we do so many things. I mean, you know, I, I'm the same way where I have like a list of projects I'm working on and a list of different things. And, you know, I mean, the other day someone asked, um, like, oh, I, you know, I, he asked me what, what I was doing for, for uh, income now. And I was telling him about my Joshua businesses. And he, and it's a friend I haven't talked to in a while. And he's like, oh, I thought you were writing books. And I was like, oh, yeah, I, I do that as well. And, <laughs> and it's one of those really silly things where almost every single entrepreneur I know, and, and you have a book on Amazon as well. And it's, it's one of those things where if we had a normal nine to five job, if we even wrote one book, we would, it would be a huge accomplishment and it would be our entire identity. But because we have so much time on our hands, it's almost one of those kind of sub things like, oh, yeah, I, I thought everybody has a book. And we almost don't even acknowledge that anymore as a, as a big feat. Yeah, well, I think that's why that there's a big trend changing where the nine to five is kind of a dinosaur. It's, it's kind of going away because we realize that we can produce the same, even more amount of value in less time and we can do it. You know, where we're compensated directly for the for the value that we create, and we get to enjoy our lives, which in some aspects means we end up creating even more value, like doing things like write books or or working on documentaries, like I'm looking to do. And so I think I think you're right, and I take it one step further that because of that, there's actually a trend away from the nine to five, and the nine to five is. I'd say on life support, I'd give it about 20 to 25 years before the nine to five was basically obsolete. Because, you know, even if I, let's say I had a corporation in the US and let's say I was, you know, I was based in California and nothing was location dependent and I had, you know, I decided I wanted to warehouse everything. I still want to make my employees work nine to five and, and you know, no one actually works nine to five, everyone works eight to five. <laughs> and I, I still want to do that. I would say, look, these, you know, this is what I need you guys to do uh, this week you know, or, or even today, and you can do it, you know, these are the things I need to have done, you know, kind of be, before the end of day, and these are the things that you can do whenever you want, and if you want to spend four hours doing it, and then the next four hours going for a hike, go ahead, you know, if you yep. want, you know, and if anything, I really feel like by giving people that, that freedom flexibility, they're going to do either one or two things. One is they're going to do a better job faster, and then be healthier and happier, because they're spending more time in the gym or at home with their family. Or they're going to decide, you know what, hey, you know, I'm going to stay until five anyways because that's kind of, you know, everyone else is hanging out here. These are where my friends are. I like being here. And they're going to bring so much more value into the company, which is going to allow me to pay them more. Yeah, I, I take the exact same approach where I would rather my employees not be sitting in front of a box all day. I would rather that they were really happy with their lives because that's what we're all in this for. And that's when we all do the best work. So if you can... You know, get something done in an hour and then peace out for the other seven hours you'd normally be at a job. Have at it. I'm perfectly happy with that. So you mentioned a little bit earlier that you have partners and employees. Like, are these, are they all in Austin or are they spread out around the world? How, how did you find them? Yeah, they're, sp they're spread out all, all around the world, literally. And, uh, you know, par partners, I just did a podcast on partnerships. We could talk about this all day, but I think partnerships are some of the most expensive mistakes that people make. You know, it's a marriage when you get into a partnership and you're giving up a you're giving up equity in your company, which is the the most valuable piece of your company if you're building a real business. So, partnerships, I think there's a courtship just like just like dating and marriage where you would not want to get into a partnership with somebody that's uh, that was not very well thought out. And I think entrepreneurs are are often too too hasty to jump into business bed with partnerships that end up not being worthwhile. So, so for me, I look to partner with people that I, I already have relationships with. I, I not look, I'm not out to look for a partner on something and just, you know, find a partner that that's called hiring. You look for employees like that. You don't look for partners like that. I only go into partnerships with people that I have existing relationships. I know how they work. I know how they get things done. I've seen them accomplish similar things before. And then we take a Colby index, K-O-L-B-E dot com, which is basically an analysis of how you get things done. 
So, so entrepreneurs are, are way too quick to get into business bed uh, into in partnerships and just say, let's do this 50-50, which is a fallacy because you don't work half as much with a partnership. You all, often work twice as much with a partnership because you have to manage the other person and you never see what the other person is working on. So there, there tends to be some stepping on toes in partnerships. Hey, they're a marriage. They take work and if you can avoid them and keep 100% of your equity, do it. But I go into partnerships with people that I know and have had relationships with and I have seen how they get things done or we have worked together in some capacity in the past or I've seen what they've done, they've seen what I do and we have very, very defined roles of who is responsible for what so there's never any stepping on toes. took me a long time to get that right and I lost a whole bunch of money with really, really bad partnerships and I think that entrepreneurs would do well to uh, take their time getting into business with anybody that they're going to split equity in their company with. You know, I, I definitely agree with that. I think in the beginning, the the draw of having a partner is because you don't want to go out of the loan. You don't want to fail alone. Uh, and also, you know, in the beginning, most entrepreneurs just starting out don't have a lot of extra cash. They think, you know what? I'm not making any money from this business anyways. What's 50% of it? You know, 50% of zero is still zero. So I might as well just have this guy as a partner. Maybe I can save, you know, a thousand bucks in web design because this guy can make a website for free. Um, but at the end of the day, it's you're, you're definitely right. And I I really think that if it's not if it's a business that's not worth spending a thousand dollars to hire somebody uh, to to you know do whatever you need to do, or it's not worth your time to do yourself, it's probably not the right business to get into. Well, I I think that there is some benefit to partnering with somebody who has cash and. I, I, maybe I'm saying this from a biased perspective because I often bring that to partnerships where I fund a business and somebody else does all of the work. And those types of, of partnerships agree and they can be very beneficial. But I, I would I would look at a business where somebody you know has a thousand bucks and they're, if they're doing it on their own and they say you know I can either hire somebody to do this and spend all of my cash or you know I can give up equity. The, the other side to that is to say. You know, what's more expensive, giving up half of your company to somebody who has design skills or paying a thousand bucks, which is all you have left to hire a designer to get your project off the ground? What's cheaper in the long run? Hiring the designer to get it done and paying him some cash. Way, way cheaper in, in the long run. So I'm very protective of equity, but I do think if you're going to go into business and you want to partner with somebody who has cash, I think that can often be a beneficial a beneficial partnership if somebody can put up the cash and mentor you while you implement the ideas with a little bit of guidance. Those can be very, very successful partnerships. And I think the difference is that you have very defined roles of what each person brings to the table in that arrangement. But I'd be I'd be hasty to just say, oh, you know how to design something. Here, I don't have cash, so I'll give you part of my company. I, I'd be very, very... Um, I would advise against that very strongly. You know, I, I hate to use my, my sister as an example because it's kind of a, a, a negative uh, situation right now where, you know, she's a busy mom. She has two kids and she's been wanting to start a dropshipping store. And she, you know, she's seen me be successful with it. She knows the, <clears throat> the back end to it. And she just doesn't have a lot of time. So she's been kind of dragging it on for last year. And she sent me an email the other day asking if she can pay me to, to, to design her store. And I was, you know, I was furious. I'm like, first, you know, I would never take money from you. You know, you're my sister. And second, don't pay me or anybody else to design your store. It's one of those things where, you know, it might take you two months to, to get a store up and running uh, and profitable if you, you know, if you have a lot of web skills kind of behind it, even if you're, you know, you're an okay blogger, if you know like really basic um not, you don't really need to know basic Photoshop, but just you know, really kind of basic skills. But if you're someone who doesn't use the internet that often, uh, and you have two kids and you don't have that much free time, you know what? Hey, it might take you six months to to even launch your store. But at the same time, you know, that's kind of the learning curve. If you can't figure out something as simple as like Shopify, um, which I do understand, you know, is can be complicated. Certain parts of it, like uploading uploading uh, products and things like that, but there's tutorials for all that stuff. You know, there's YouTube videos. There's <clears throat> there are help guides. It's one of those things where, in the beginning, if you if you are so quick to 
you know, to give away equity or give away money uh, to do these things that really you should learn on your own, just starting out, then it's, it's, the business is not going to do well in the long run. But I, I do agree that once you get at a point where, you know, you do really do know what your core competencies are, then then at that time, then it's great to, you know, give away money and just hire a designer. Because like for me personally, I know how to do a lot of that stuff already now, but it still takes me the same amount of time, you know, uh, as it would if I just hired someone. And now that my money's act- my time's actually worth something, it actually would be cheaper in the long run for me to just to pay someone a thousand dollars to design a great site instead of me spending ten hours to do it and um, not give up any equity. I I have a slightly different opinion, and I I hope the I uh, hope your audience doesn't shoot me for dis- disagreeing with Johnny. No, I, I like I like this. But, I mean, one of the reasons why I wanted to, to have you on is to have a completely different perspective on a lot of things um, because not everything that you know that I do is is correct, <laughs> and you know sometimes. Um, it's good, you know, to hear kind of both sides to it, so people can kind of figure out. Well, in their specific situation, um, you know, like maybe, you know, maybe not everyone's like me, where they just start, you know, they just started out without a lot of money. Maybe, maybe people, let's say, they worked a great job, and they have a big, you know, huge chunk of savings, or they have these, you know, different set of skills. Um, so, yeah, so, sorry. So go go ahead and. I definitely want to hear your side to it. Well, I, I can never travel to Chiang Mai now because all of all the Chiang Mai. Uh you know, freedom entrepreneurs are going to kill me for disagreeing with Johnny. But I, I think you should learn as few things as possible. I think, uh, I think that people try to learn way too much when they're building a business. I, I think that if you, like in the example that you said where you work a full-time job and you have two kids and, and you don't use the computer much and you're learning Shopify, I would tell that person they're probably in the wrong business. I think there's too many ways to make a lot of money to have to to absolutely kill yourself learning something new unless you are either dead set on a certain business model or you're upgrading your unique value in some way and that's how you see it and you don't see another way to increase your unique value or you present your unique value to the marketplace. But I think that we get the most done and we're most productive when we focus only on what we're really good at doing and that we outsource the rest. So um, I I do very few things in my business, but I do them very, very well. And I think that is a the major difference between really successful entrepreneurs and people who struggle for a long time is people who struggle say, I need to learn this, and I need to learn this, and I need to learn this. I need to learn YouTube, and I need to learn Facebook traffic, and I need to learn SEO, and I need to learn web design. And I say, okay, uh, let's learn one of these things, maybe, or talk to somebody who already has mastered this and focus only on this one traffic source until it is insanely profitable. And then maybe I'll think about going to YouTube or I'm going to focus only on Amazon because Amazon has the potential to drive millions of dollars in sales my way and then I'll think about something like setting up my own store or I'll think about mastering pay-per-click and then maybe one day I'll think about about bringing somebody on who can do our search engine optimization. So I, I advocate learning as few things as possible and focusing only on the things that immediately will impact the amount of cash flow coming in, and you can worry about bringing on help for the other things later. You know, I, I really like that point of view. So let's say an example: there's somebody who wants to quit their job. Um, they don't have that much money, and they they want to start a business. And they're like, "Well, I have about I have a couple months of, you know, of savings um, <laughs> to kind of skip by." What What would you suggest they get into? What's like the the Past path of uh, least resistance to start getting a, a paycheck. Uh, this this is it's funny because I recorded a podcast on this topic exactly today, um, and it, but it's difficult to advise because because for each person I say I, I, ha- I have to go back to what I believe, which is to focus exclusively on on the unique value that you bring, and I, I'm not one of those people who believes that. You know, you buy one program or you learn one method, and it's it just magically happens for you. The reason why studying a program or getting good at a skill works is because that upgrades your unique value to something that very few people in the marketplace have. So, if you're a social media manager 
and you do that better than 90% of the world, your unique value is there. There's no sense in getting into another business. Focus on where your unique value is. But I think, I think there is one common thread that if I had to give a blanket recommendation for, for people starting out, I would, I would say it's, it's in product creation, whether it's in a unique product like, like I'm in where I'm creating products like yoga mats and yoga towels and selling them on Amazon or if it's something digital, a digital information product which is extremely easy to either to publish something or to borrow expertise from somebody who is already an expert. But I would say that the best businesses are those where you own the assets. You know, I, I'm not a fan of the drop shipping model because I don't own any of the assets besides if you, know, you have a customer list, which can be a very valuable asset. But I'm a fan of owning as many of the intellectual property or, or assets as possible. So I say product creation is where most people should start and the path of least resistance, especially in the information product world, is to partner with people who already have audiences and get them to promote your product and you get yourself in the channel of JVs and affiliates and places like clickbank.com where you're getting that regular traffic flow. So regardless of your unique value, I think owning as many assets as possible is necessary eventually. Even if you have clients right now, I'd be looking at what, what do you own? What is, what is the asset that you're building? If it's just taking on clients, you have an income stream, not necessarily a business, which is great when you're starting. But if you want to build a real business, we need to look at what assets we own, whether that's intellectual property or whether that is a customer list or whether that is the the physical products that you're creating, look at what unique product creation you're putting into the marketplace and what channels you're partnering with, where people are already spending money and customers are already buying the products that you're offering. Well, using Zen Active as an example, I really like that because first you, you are, you know, because it's your product name, you're building that, um, that following and that Brand, brand recognition, uh, and even though you sell a lot of it through Amazon, you know, which is a great, uh, pl you know, place to get traffic and customers, you're also uh, in a lot of big box stores, correct? That brand is not in big box stores. It's only on Amazon. Okay, um, um, but is, is there any reason why you couldn't sell that in, in other, in, in uh, through other mediums as well, through either your own site or through you know trying to get into another store? Yeah, that is a fantastic question, Johnny. And the answer to that is, yeah, we could put our efforts on that. We could put our efforts into developing retail relationships and developing our own stores and generating our own traffic. But uh, I'm of the belief that you get really good at one thing that is profitable before you move on to that 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 next wave. You know, one of my companies does over two hundred thousand dollars a month in sales, and we're just now looking at developing our own channels, of developing our own traffic, of looking at retail. I think that there's enough profit in most channels for you to basically have more cash than you know what to do with if you're just a lifestyle entrepreneur by getting good at that one channel. So there's no need in my mind to spread yourself thin when by focusing in on one place you could drive things home so deeply. So we focus very deeply on Amazon and my you know, laser focus is having number one products for Zen Active. We have the number one yoga mat, the number one yoga towel, the number one yoga block and on and on and on before we go pitch ourselves to Target. Because that having really deep sales on a channel like Amazon can really carry a lot of weight into other channels and things like retail and having wholesale buyers. But I, I won't even think about those things until I've absolutely tapped out the one channel that's already making us money. It's kind of like when you have multiple businesses, why would you focus, if you've got a business making a million dollars a year, why would you take time away from that to focus on a business that's making zero dollars a year, a new business? I look at a channel the same way. And when I have a channel that's making me $100,000 and I notice that it has the depth to make me a million dollars, I'm not going to take that away and build my own store 
when there's $900,000 staring me in the face, that's a lot easier for me to earn than just starting over in a new channel. You know what? I really, really like that idea. And I think Amazon right now is so hot right now for, for e-commerce. You know, they did such a good job uh, building themselves as a brand that it actually becomes really hard to compete with kind of, you know, everywhere else. And if you can show that you're a top seller on Amazon, you know, places like Target will easily pick you up uh, versus, you know, going in there and trying to prove yourself to them. So it's, it's almost one of those things where I, I almost feel like if you just continue your path and sell sell even more on on, your, on that one channel, that there's a good chance that someone from Target would just call you and say, hey, can you got, you know, can we buy some from you and, and also carry in our store um, yeah. versus the other way around where, you know, you have nothing to, to, to prove. It's almost like the examples on Shark Tank, you know, it showed me the sales. Yeah, I, I think that that's exactly the mentality that we have going into these businesses is, you know, I, I've made the mistake, and if, if you're, you're listening to me talk, you'll hear kind of a common thread of, I, I made the mistake of spreading myself too thin, of going into too many channels, running too many projects, uh, trying to learn too many skills. And so I've gone in the opposite direction now, where I think you should learn as few skills as possible and focus on as few channels as possible and get good at just a few things. I think that type of laser focus is what drives long-term growth. And it might it might feel slower when you're beginning. So it feels good to start all kinds of new things and have, have uh, social media traffic and YouTube traffic and paid traffic and Amazon traffic and Google traffic and all this little stuff going on when really in the long term and even in the medium term, if we were just to focus on a few things, one traffic source, one channel for sales, uh, one or two products before you move on to that next thing, it keeps that momentum going. And you're right. We, if, we, if we blow up that one thing, it can be the catalyst that opens into other channels and other places. And by that point, we have cash to spend on those things and we can hire out other things or we're at a point where we're comfortable and I, I see that as much more least resistant than trying to learn everything and be everywhere to everybody. You know, I really like that. I, I want to ask you quickly about about Zen Active, how how that started, because obviously, you know, there there are other yoga mats um, out there. Um, yeah, and I'm sure you guys weren't the, the first one to ever invent a yoga mat. Uh, <laughs> and so, what made you decide to get into this niche specifically, and and what do you think makes you guys better than than the other ones? The thing that attracted me into Zen Active Sports was I just saw the market for yoga exploding. And I wanted to be in a non-supplement industry uh, because there were a lot of people running into the supplement space. I have a supplement company and I wanted to have something that was not a consumable, that was a physical product and a niche that was growing and that I saw some, some profit margins in. So it was a purely an analytical play for me. And I just saw the, the market for yoga exploding. And I knew going in that it would be a, at least a one-year play, meaning we'd be at it for a year before we saw any real sustainable growth. I knew that was the case. And that I liked that because I knew that would scare away a lot of competition and new players into the market, And uh, which is why I like to tell people the longer view of success you can have, the more successful you will be. If you can look at a one-year, three-year, five-year, ten-year window rather than a three-month window, you'll be much, much more successful. So the longer time window you can have to success, the more successful you will be. And so we just decided that we would go in. We'd go in with the environmentally friendly approach and try to minimize packaging, minimize waste, and that we would have the best customer service on Amazon in that space. And those are things that have really set apart set us apart from everybody else is we just decided we focus on high quality. We wouldn't be the cheapest in the market. We didn't want to be the cheapest in the market. We wanted to do the best customer experience in the market. And that combined with the marketing that I knew that I would have an advantage in over everybody else in yoga, I believed it would carry us. And so far it has. You know, this is why I like <clears throat> you know, this kind of the shift to making these physical products that a lot of internet marketers are doing is by having, you know, this great product, you know, some might argue if you just have a really great product, uh, it'll sell itself, but that's not always true. 
And yeah. but when I look at, um, let's say your yoga mat, for example, you know, as a as someone who understands internet marketing, I can take a look at it. And I'm like, well, you know what? I, I can see why this sells well on Amazon. You know, you have a great, you know, not, not only a great title versus uh, a lot of your competition. You know, their their titles might be half a sentence. Might just say yoga mat blue. <laughs> You know, while yours, you know, has really good descriptions, has a lot of keywords in it, um, has the 100% money back guarantee right in the title. You know, it's just, you know has things like, um, you know, good for your knees and the earth. You know, these these extra value propositions, um, you know, these benefits to the customer for them buying it. They see, you know, you have great ratings, lots of reviews, so you have that kind of social proof, you know, from other people. Um, it has you know great packaging, great photos, and the the way that it's you know it's laid out the even description where there's the, both the the features but but also the benefits while a lot of people that manufacture goods they only think about you know okay what are the features you know and they only um will list like how how thick the foam is and not really talk about how that benefits you as a customer i mean i would say you know out of all the yoga mats i've looked at nobody really mentions it's good for your knees they just say you know extra thick uh, foam and for you know for a lot of customers even though that that's another step for them to have to you know think in their head well what you know why do i need extra thick foam what does it actually do for me and as you know having great marketing you show you know this is exactly why you should buy this and then at the end you have the 100 percent money back guarantee for whatever reason you don't absolutely love our zen active yoga mat just return it and we'll fund every penny and that makes it really easy for people to know hey if i you know this has to be a good product because they wouldn't have this good of a um a return a policy if it wasn't and it also kind of mitigates the risk if so they do buy it so the the reason why you know I can see this doing well uh, and and selling well is by kind of combining a good product but also with with internet marketing techniques um, that a lot of these other yoga companies aren't going to have. You know you can kind of just you know I can see why you skyrocketed into into the first place. And I you know it is exactly the same with Mark's example uh, about his his jump ropes. I mean most people that make products like that you know they just write you know jump rope. Um, they'll they'll list. The length of it, the size of it, but with Marks, you know, he really listed, you know, exactly the same thing. Where uh, as you did, where you have great titles, great descriptions, um, and you have you know, <laughs> great return policies, and really, you know, you added that um, that that marketing twist to it, which most manufacturers don't don't understand or don't have time for. It's just marketing one hundred and one, really. As you take a, a channel like Amazon, that's basically been dominated by non-marketers that's changing a lot of marketers are going in like myself and we're winning and that trend is going to continue and that's that's true in any channel the best marketing always wins best best marketing always outsells i mean you put two two identical yoga mats one is extra thick and one says extra thick and good for your knees well they're the same yoga mat yeah but one says it's good for my knees so i'm glad you caught my my marketing in there. Yeah. Marketing always outwins in the channels, and so just a little bit on Amazon goes a long way. Well, what's crazy is so the the only product I currently have on Amazon is my book Twelve Weeks in Thailand. It's just little, you know, little ebook about uh, about my my travels around, uh, which, which I'll send you a copy of after this. But I, from that, I, I realized it's like, hey, I can market this through Amazon and not just have it on there, you know. For people to to find, like I can actually try to to do things to market it, and even though a book and a physical product is uh is, are two different categories, a lot of it's kind of the same, um you know, the the, the exactly the same um, format. Where like I'm taking a look at it right now, and so this book in in the category um, of Thailand travel guides. <laughs> I'm actually beating uh, Lonely Planet in uh, for their Bangkok guide. I'm beating uh, Globe Trotter. I'm beating uh, another Lonely Planet book, and it's crazy that you know. And beating F Formers as well. You know these big name brand um, companies that they they have a great product. They have you know, and they have a great name and also National Geographic. But just because they don't spend the time uh, marketing it or writing the good descriptions or you know having the great titles or even the um, the search terms in the book, you know, a little guy like me that doesn't even focus on on marketing this book, 
you know, can still outrank them in on Amazon, which is insane. Yeah, again, just a, a little bit of marketing usually goes a long way on just about any channel. I mean, you guys, you and I both podcast. Mm-hmm. A little bit of marketing of your podcast goes a long way uh, be, because most people don't market themselves inside of channels. So whether it's Amazon or it's iTunes or it's ClickBank or you know whatever channel you're in, just a little bit of doing marketing right usually brings you into you know the, the top twenty percent that gets eighty percent of the results. You know, so I've learned so much from from talking to you today, and you know, I have now a, a whole to do list of things that I want to do myself. Um, and I definitely agree, you know, that it was it was great having you on as having a, a totally separate um, kind of mentality of how people should get started. The the reason why I advocate, um, you know, learning a lot about everything and doing it yourself is because that's what worked for me. And I know that that's not going to be the case for every single person. You know, for me, the only reason why I'm successful today with some of my stores is because I spent, you know, four years kind of dabbling around blogging, uh, making little fun YouTube videos, you know, really for myself and figuring this stuff out and then when I when it was time for me to to create my first dropshipping store, I was like, well, you know, I kind of already know how to upload photos, uh, to resize them on in Photoshop, to um, to write some content, to you know, to get some, you know, to look at my analytics, look at a lot of these basic things, and that's why I advocate, you know, hey, it's good an idea to to learn a little bit about everything, and that's why, even with like big companies like Zappos, every single person who works there, you know, even the CFO, even an accountant, they have to go through uh, every single every single position the first week before they actually set in their office. So, you know, even the CFO will, you know, pack, um, you know, pack boxes for a week, you know, well, maybe not a week, maybe a day. Um, they'll go and, you know, work in, you know, the customer service department and answer phones for a day. And, to me, I, I think that makes absolute sense where they get, a, not only do they meet everyone, um, all the other employees in, in that position, but they start to understand, you know, what actually is involved in packing and shipping something out or, you know, what kind of complaints that people people call in um, to do. So when they do settle into the role, and obviously it wouldn't make sense to pay someone 100000 a year to be your CFO and have them packing boxes all the time. So I definitely agree that, you know, very quickly they should stop doing those things and concentrate on the core competencies. But I do agree that you know it's c- kind of having that taste of knowing um, the basics of every single step would would be good. Well, let me let me ask you this: When you started making money, were you focusing on a lot of things or just a few things? When I so so I would say one of my examples, and you know what, I've never I actually never share any of my stores, but. I really like the the idea that you have Zen Active that you can just talk about openly. So I'm gonna share one of my stores for the first time ever. Uh, it's Tiffany Lamp Collection, and what we, you know, I'm an authorized dealer of a lot of different uh, Tiffany style lighting, and this is just kind of one of my stores. And so the way that you know I first got all my all my sales for this store and my other stores is through Google paid ads. And I would say 80% or maybe even 90% of my sales initially came from uh, from Google ads. So, uh-huh. so you're definitely right on that where I should have just, you know, focused on just that instead of creating, let's say a Facebook page for it or trying to get traffic through, um, right. you know, through Bing or Amazon or all these other, other channels. Um, but you know, I would, I would also think that, you know, I, maybe I wouldn't have known that's where I would get all my sales unless I tried a lot of different things, uh, and tested to see where is my sales coming from. And also now that it's been, let's say, like a year later, you know, I don't want to only rely on on Google Ads because first, you know, I'm not really control that the prices of that can get uh, outrageous, and you know, I like kind of you know you can maximize that channel now, so you can look at other you can look at other income sources. But but starting out, your eighty twenty was focusing on one traffic channel that was really profitable and milking that. Now you think about other stuff, which is great. You know, I, I think that's a that's a good um a good plan. So for when people start out, I would say find the one channel that's making you the money and focus yes. on that. Uh, and so even if you have to spend one day, you know, in the shipping department and one day, you know, on Bing or one day on Amazon, um, and you know, as soon as you find out, you know, what is the channel that's making you money, then focus on that. 
just do that one until you have maximized that channel to the hilt. I love it. Hey, Ryan, thank you so much for being on the show, man. I, I learned a ton from you. Well, well, good. Thanks so much for having me on, Johnny. It was a blast. Yeah. Um, so if people want to get in touch with you, uh, they can go to freedomfastlane.com. Uh, do you hang out on Twitter or anything else? Well, I hang out on iTunes a lot. So uh, if you're one of these, if you like podcasts, I do a business investment and self-development podcast under the same name. It's called Freedom Fastlane. Currently one of the top 10 shows in marketing in uh, in iTunes. So you can find us under Freedom Fastlane. Man, I learned so much for having Ryan Moran on the show, and I hope you guys did as well. I know we have a lot of very contradicting beliefs in you know, the way people should get started, uh, but I really believe that you know having a broad perspective and a lot of different people on the show, uh, even with contradicting beliefs, is really what benefits you guys, the listeners, because everyone's going to be different. Everyone's situation is going to be different. So if you're you know have, you have you have the mindset where you want to go straight into manufacturing and building a brand, I definitely think it's a great idea to you know for the long run uh that's the the best way to is to think 10 years ahead and think you know what what would benefit me in the long run uh, i know for me when i started out i was kind of in a different place where i didn't you know really want to um build a big company you know uh, and be based in the u.s and have a lot of employees and have the potential of of having a million dollar company i really just wanted to be able to make a couple thousand dollars a month from my laptop and be able to travel and just be location dependent so i didn't have the the 10 year ahead mindset uh to right now i actually i do so now i do want to get into private labeling and manufacturing and importing goods but if you asked me a year ago you know if i wanted to put down ten thousand dollars or thirty thousand uh, dollars into investing in my own product i would say well first i don't have that i only had a couple hundred bucks when i started uh, but also that wasn't my goal at the time uh so you know kind of depending on where you guys are both financially and with your mindsets and your life goals uh it's it's great to to do either work because it's it's nice to see that you know both uh drop shipping and both you know importing and private labeling it works i mean so either way you guys will will do well uh as long as you you pick something and really you know decide hey I'm going to work towards this uh, no matter what and make it work because they both do work. So I do encourage you guys to check out Ryan's podcast. It's Freedom Fastlane uh, and you can find that on iTunes uh, or if you want to figure out, you know, find out more about how I got started and how I started some of my stories, just go to johnnyfd.com. There's a button that just says start here. So uh, easiest place to, to take a look. And while you guys are on iTunes, I'd really, really appreciate all the and the five-star reviews you guys have left, that is the best way to spread the word, show your appreciation for the podcast, but also for uh, for other people to find out about it. So uh, this week we have Lone Star Alaskan. He says, thanks, Johnny. I started my own dropshipping business online and couldn't be more excited. I would never have made it this far without the Travel Like a Boss podcast keeping me motivated. Johnny's enthusiasm is contagious. Well, thank you guys so much uh, for you, Surfside, uh, Brian, and Andrea for, for leaving those great five-star reviews on iTunes, and I'll see you guys next week. Peace out. Thank you for listening to the Travel Like a Boss podcast. If you want to hear more, including the bonus, how to choose the perfect niche episode, join our mailing list at travellikeabosspodcast.com. See you next week, and remember, if you want to travel like a boss, you need to be your own boss. So start your online business today, and start living the lifestyle you've always dreamed of.